Welcome once again to another episode of Bleeding Edge Interviews. I am your host, Super Dave. This is a conversation I was lucky enough to have with the one and only Jason Beeler, someone most folks might remember from his work with Saigon Kick back in the early 90s, but also a prolific and multi-talented solo artist in his own right who has been putting out all kinds of music from songs to EPs to solo albums, including the one we're going to talk about a lot tonight, his most recent one released under the name Jason Beeler and the Baron Von Bielski Orchestra. The album is called Songs for the Apocalypse. Seems kind of timely in this day and age. What you'll find is that he is a man with wide-ranging musical tastes and interests and an amazing perspective on how life can be lived and how we can approach music with an open mind. Without further ado, here is my conversation with the one and only Jason Beeler. Ladies and gentlemen, Jason Beeler. Glad to be talking to you this evening. How are you doing down there? I have absolutely zero to complain about at the moment, so thanks for having me. Oh, hey. Uh, zero to complain about is a good way to be. I am very happy to have you. I've really been uh, digging into your back catalog uh, recently, and uh, I mean, I'll be honest, it was this newest album songs for the apocalypse that drew my attention to you uh i i will have to admit that i probably wasn't paying close attention uh during your time with saigon kick although i've been familiar with their music uh from hearing it on one of our other shows the heavy metal happy hour uh this one crept up on me but it's been uh, a very enjoyable discovery for me oh thanks man i'm glad you know that i, I guess it's far better than hearing you hated it uh, <laughs> yeah <laughs> I don't usually hate too much. I, I, fortunately, I like a lot of things, but yours is, uh, I like uniqueness. That's what I like. And, and I think you put a very unique stamp on, uh, it's m- almost metal, probably metal, more rock. It's, it's its own thing. And that's what I like about it yeah, in I, the sense that I can't describe it easily I, in one word. I have zero loyalty to any genre and that has been a blessing and a curse. I mean, uh, I, if, if something just appeals to me musically and I want to do it, I do it. And uh, I'm fortunate that, I've, you know, over the years, there's a group of people that are as equally mentally ill as I am that <laughs> like that kind of stuff and allow me and kind of encourage me to do that. Uh, if at the point where if I were to make a straight record, I would be, uh, you know, you know, disemboweled by the fan base that I do have because they're just they just want to go on a on a trip where they don't know what's going to happen next. And um, that's a really cool place to be artistically. Yeah, I can imagine it. It is in and of itself probably total freedom to do whatever you want. Yeah, I mean, it's been really. I mean, people have been so supportive, um, and 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 into that. It's funny, like when I, my biggest fear. I mean, I know a lot of friends in all different kinds of genres are like, you know, I have to repeat what I did, or I have to equal my last thing. You know, uh, you know, my mindset is like, how do I throw them? You know, how, how do I throw a loop in here? How do I, how do I do something? I don't want to repeat myself because the people that are, have been so good to me, like they're expecting me to kind of take it in a new direction or, or try something different or, yeah. you know, just not repeat myself. So it, it, it's awesome. I imagine that to be for you both liberating and almost uh, a little challenging because the idea of not duplicating yourself after repeatedly not duplicating yourself, do you feel at some point in time, like, almost like you start to struggle, you're getting painted into a corner that you don't know where to go next? No, I mean, I have like musical Tourette syndrome. Mm-hmm. So I'm really lucky in that sense. Um, and, uh, you know, 
I mean, it's, it's so far, knock on wood. I mean, I just, you know, I, I'm very fortunate. I go into the studio and write and, and, you know, all this different stuff keeps coming out. I mean, it's probably because I grew up listening to so many different types of, of music. Um, so in my head, you know, even as a kid, I remember listening to things like, you know, like the fifth dimension or the Beatles and like 70s AM gold hits. And then, you know, getting into, you know, metal and, you know, Ozzy and, all, all that kind of stuff and Maiden and, and whatever. And at the same time, into all the alternative stuff, you know, Bow Wow and Elvis Costello and XTC and the police and um, Tom Waits and Bjork and, you know, Metallica and Pantera. And, you know, it's it just, it, I, I just dig good music. So it doesn't really matter to me what it is, as long as there's some kind of artistic coolness and statement being made by them. And, and there's a signature. And so I've, I've just always kind of, grown up like that and that's where i listened to everything from miles davis to mishuga huh. so it's i guess it's caused this permanent mental illness where i have uh, you know no desire to make the same thing twice or i mean i'm sure i accidentally will but it, it, generally speaking i i just do whatever i feel like doing yeah and and yeah it's uh it's something i have uh in my time here found that is a common trait among those who are in that prog realm that their tastes are very diverse and they've listened to so many different things and that is all what boils into this as i've called it stew of influences that comes out as their own unique music and they're not limiting themselves to just certain things but that's i guess that's where i'm kind of curious too because as you said you're not limited to you don't feel limited or or loyal to any particular genre and and when this album came out it's like oh the headlines read Hey, Jason Beeler has gone Prague. I'm like sitting there thinking, I'm like, I wonder what he thinks about that term and whether or not he thinks that's what really happened. It's funny because I, I mean, I, you know, I never even, you know, going back to, you know, wherever the origins of Prague was never really in my wheelhouse, speaking of things that weren't in my wheelhouse. I just told you all the things that were in my wheelhouse. But, <laughs> um, so, you know, like to me, like even Genesis was like the Phil Collins hits. Um, it's probably because I'm a little bit younger. I like to be able to say that. Not, I'm not young, but I was younger than that when that all that stuff was really raging. Um, so when all of a sudden, like, you know, Prog Magazine, UK, and everybody started really embracing the new record, it was amazing to me because I never thought of it as a Prog thing. But the cool thing about where I think Prog is right now is Prog is kind of anything that's not maybe mainstream. And they're really welcome to anything from like animals as leaders to you know, to the old yes and King Crimson stuff and anything in between, it kind of really, it's like I accidentally found a home and they found me and neither one of us were necessarily looking for each other. Um, so it's kind of like this When Harry Met Sally uh, musical movie. Um, <laughs> I like that description. Are you going to reenact the diner scene for us? Of course I am. <laughs> Give me a minute here. I'm, I'm just into my, I have my first glass of wine. By the time I'm done with this, we'll be ready to go. Excellent. Excellent. I <laughs> look forward to that so yeah and and i mean honestly i mean as it went you i mean you you brought in a lot of what people call prog muscle to guest on this album the 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 baron von bielski orchestra i mean devin towns and todd latora of of queensrike uh pat badger jeff scott soto and and bumblefoot both of sons of apollo and even po folks that are probably more in what you might call alt metal areas clint lowry of seven dust everything goes back to seven dust eventually and uh benji webb of course. I mean, You've got, and, and even more than I probably have, have remembered at this moment, but you, you brought all these guys on and 
I, I what was what was that like for you? I guess bringing them on. I mean, what was the collaborative process? Was it a collaborative process, or did you just kind of throw them in the studio and say, "Dude, solo now"? No, I mean, first I'm friends with all these guys. Yeah. Um, was the first thing. I mean, it, it, to some degree or another, like Butch Walker, is an amazing producer, and, you know, and songwriter, and uh, so all these guys have known in one way or another for a long time. And when I started this record, I was like, you know, wouldn't it be neat? I just called up all my different buddies, people that I was just in awe of. I mean, Clay Cook from the Zach Brown Band. Mm. Just all amazing musicians in their own right. I was like, no, I'm going to call up all my friends, and I'm just going to make the overture. I'm going to say, hey, I'm doing this record. Would you participate? Knowing in my head that, you know, if three of them say yes, it'll be great, and and we'll be off to the races. And Because, you know, people are going to be doing different things. Right? Who, knew what, who, knew, who knew what anybody's schedule was going to be? And miraculously... And much to my shock, like every single one of them said yes. And it was so humbling, I mean, to, to want them to participate. Um, and so a lot of these films were kind of structurally done. And I would just send them to them. And, you know, my, my first worry then was like, oh, man, I just asked this person to contribute to this record. And they're going to, I kind of gave them complete free reign. Mm -hmm. And if what they send back is kind of not fitting the song right it's going to be horribly awkward you know yeah. thank you so much for your generous offer to play on my record but that's not going to work it's not a good line of <laughs> you know uh, no, I, a way to keep not. friends <laughs> um but to, i mean and it goes back to that old adage of you know when you pick great players great things happen i mean every single one of them to, to a man just uh, just delivered amazing i mean i would open the file and I'd be like oh my god this is brilliant i mean you know you're not going to get bad guitar playing out of bumblefoot or clint or you know anybody any of these they're all great musicians and they and they really elevated everything in a really really cool way and nor was i going to try to you know what's the point of trying to produce you know B butch walker or bumblefoot i mean what do you think you know you, you want them to do them yeah. so it, you know i mean and uh and I think everybody was able, and Benji, the brilliant singer uh, from Skindred, you know, they all brought what they did. And that's kind of what I wanted. I didn't want, you know, I didn't want to tell them, you know, I, I think that kind of ruins it sometimes. You're, I'm trying to get the best of what they do, not the best of what I think they should do. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and I got super lucky. I mean, it, the odds of it ever pulling off that way again are, are just you know, one in a million. It just, everything worked out great and they all just killed it and He's super proud to have been able to, that they said yes was amazing and to get to work with them was even more amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and I got to imagine they, they look at this as a whole of what, what's come out of that. And I got to imagine they're real happy with the end result. I mean, it, it's really such a, a wonderfully challenging and diverse album um, where, where songs just don't sound in any way repetitive. You, you, you throw all kinds of, of, touches and 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 genre styles into the mix and it's just it's it's so really unexpected you know what i mean it, it, it was really something you wouldn't see coming necessarily and and i guess what i'm wondering like when you went into this album what were things if any that you had in mind that you wanted to challenge yourself to do to stretch out of your comfort zone or or try something that you've never tried in a recording before I mean, I just, you know, you're always trying um, to write better songs and play better music or do better at what you do. I mean, whether you hit that mark is, you know, only time ever tells that. And I think also as a, as a seasoned artist, rather than an old man, I'll say, as a seasoned artist, <laughs> um, you're, you're fighting 
the the uh, you know nostalgia, mm-hmm. meaning that. It's very difficult for a fan to follow you from the beginning and have this anchor of the song that they got married to or the song that they, you know, had a girlfriend to or, you know, whatever. These these songs that have lived with them for 20 or 30 years um, to have something new get anchored in them that way. Um, you know, so I don't, you know, selfishly and, and not out of disrespect, because I love the fact that people have, you know, been supportive and you know, dug different things that I've done at different times. It's amazing. But I don't really worry about that. I mean, obviously, you know, I much prefer people like what I do than don't like what I do. But, you know, I wanted to, you know, I wanted to collaborate with Devin when Devin and I finished. We'd be like, dude, that's cool. That's, you know, that that was like the whole, whole aim. Like I wanted them to feel like they were doing something cool and, uh, and neat and, you know, and, and unexpected, um, but within, the, you know, it, first and foremost, it's never to be unexpected or to be different. I mean, as as strange as it sounds, I mean, each one of those songs, I was I was really focusing on writing a song and you know, creating a mood and a vibe. So, um, yeah, I mean, that that was kind of the the process was just, you know, for myself to sit back and go, okay, you know, let's 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 push, let's let's see see how dig we you know how far we can deep and how far we can deep how dig <laughs> how deep we can dig. There we go. There you go. Uh, in, in, into the uh, you know, and and just try to make the best record we could. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah, and sometimes you do that, and sometimes you do that. And three people like it, and sometimes you do it, and and you know, it, it catches a wave. And I've been very fortunate with this last record that it it definitely caught a wave, um, and a, and a bunch of people really you know support it, which is amazing. Yeah. Um, so you know, sometimes you get lucky, and sometimes you don't. Yeah. Uh, the reactions I've read have all been. Uh, overwhelmingly positive. It, it's it's one of those things where I, I think they were uh, taken by surprise because you did what you like to do, which was the unexpected, both in the musical styles and all that, but also I think uh, for many of them, maybe they were still busy associating you with a whole different style of music um, that wasn't typically known for its complexity and and going holy smokes where did this come from so it it does make me wonder when you when you go back to your days um you know saigon kick was not this kind of music was this kind of music then maybe always in your mind back then was it always a possibility of it coming out at any moment or do you think it's really been uh something that's that's just honestly built over the last we'll say a couple years I mean, if you listen back, and, and I'm not sure how familiar you are with the catalog of Saigon Kick, I mean, part of the curse of Saigon Kick was that we really didn't fit in any place comfortably. Obviously, we had a you know big hit with Love Is On The Way, which was like you know a ballad, and obviously is what it was. But, I mean, the rest of the records, when we started out, we toured with the Ramones, we toured with Faith No More, we played some shows at Soundgarden, we uh, played with Ozzy, we played with Cheap Trick. Um, we were kind of caught in this place you know, and I don't, I don't say hair metal disrespectfully because mm-hmm. there's great hair metal bands, but I guess it's a bad word now or something like that amongst some people. I'm sure I'm going to be cult, you know, culturally canceled now for saying hair metal, but <laughs> the hair metal bands uh, despised us because we were just too out of the wheelhouse of what they were doing. And we didn't really write songs about, you know, I have a super fast car and a hot chick. Mm-hmm. And then because we had success with a ballad, um, you know, the, the, as the grunge movement was coming to power, um, those bands really didn't associate with us because we were seen more as part of the other 
genres. We got caught, caught in this, this no man's land. But I wasn't not going to do ballads just for the sake of trying to be cool because, you know, I, I love Barry Manilow and Neil Diamond and the Bee Gees. And, you know, all that music is a part of who I am. Um, so, you know, I, I love doing ballads and may still do them again in the future. Um, but there was also songs on the Saigon Kick catalog that were really super heavy. So we used to have a lot of trouble because, you know, a lot of the, you know, the soccer mom contingent would go and buy, you know, oh, that pretty song. And then there'd be these, you know, kind of punk edge songs or really dark songs or other things on the record. And I think that's part of what, it's part of what maybe prevented us from um, catching on in a, in a larger sense, mm-hmm. because I think music at that time was still very much, you know, you're this, you're that. Um, you know, you're part of this movement, you're part of that movement. Um, at the same time, I think it's what's made the, the, the catalog kind of interesting um, and maybe had a longer lifespan because people are still discovering those records now and going like, oh, I didn't realize that was this or, you know, it, 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 you know, you guys were, you know, different stuff. And, and I think also now just the way people listen to music, like, I don't think anybody cares anymore. Like the way we did when we were kids, like I remember going to school and, you know, there was an alternative lunch table and a kiss lunch table and a Metallica lunch table. Right? And, and like you were so identified with who and what you listened to and you would never stray. Like a, a metal kid could not be seen hanging out with a kid with a clash shirt or it would be like a fight yeah. kind of thing. And, and now I think, you know, and, and I, for me, it's finally come to the place where I always hoped it would be. I mean, no one cares. I mean, I see, you know, 18, 19, 20 year old kids with Rolling Stone shirts, ACDC shirts, Slayer shirts, you know, and obviously at the same time, they're listening to Skrillex or they're listening to 21 Pilots or they're listening to what they, they just want cool tunes. So, um, you know, it, it seems like that part of it's changed. And hopefully that makes what I do be able to find a bigger home, which has been the case so far with the new record. And I don't think people think of it that way anymore. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's. I think you're probably right that in in the '90s it probably w- worked against you that you didn't fit easily into any of the slots, and yet that's what also made you stand out. Um, but it does become difficult when you've got perhaps promoters or or I guess radio station programmers and things like that who don't know what to do with stuff that sounds truly unique. They hesitate because hey, they they want to make sure they're bringing in all the most listeners, and yet. These things have so much to offer people, you know, that, that this unusual music, that's why I've focused a show on pushing the boundaries, stretching out of what the norm is and trying different things and blending in different things. I, I, I enjoy that so much. That's awesome. And missing uh, from a lot of places. But, you know, I don't begrudge those people. I mean, look, I mean, people are trying to keep a living and, mm-hmm. you know, you know, you know, keep their families fed and, and, and doing what they think is right at the time. And, you know, I, I, I kind of look, I've lived my entire life without a job. I've made music my entire life. I've been able to live an amazing life, travel the world. I still make records this very day. I get up and do all these kind of cool, creative things. I, I am just not one of those people that's going to sit here and complain that I should have been bigger. <laughs> like, what are you an idiot? Like there's a guy like getting up at four in the morning to go dig ditches for plumbing. Um, you know, that would dream, uh, you know, a billion, you know, to give everything that you have like one year of what you had. Yeah. And, um, I'm so lucky and, you know, and, and just thankful that I've been able to, that I've been allowed by the people who have supported me enough to do what I do that to me to focus on all oh, radio did this or marketing was this, or if they only would have done this, 
I mean, you know, it, it is it is what it is. I mean, and, and, and I, I've been able to make the music I wanted to make and I stand by it and, and, and I feel lucky. I don't I don't feel you know, I, I just don't sit there and go like we should have been bigger, we should no, you shouldn't have been bigger. <laughs> it's just it is what it is you know I mean, and for me it's, it's that that's a good thing yeah I, and i and i love the how you express this this attitude of, of i don't mean to rhyme here attitude of gratitude but this idea of of being grateful and and having that balanced outlook and and really a, a very positive outlook uh, on life and things like that, because I, I mean, it strikes me as it's one that's benefited you quite a bit in the sense to helping you stay on track. And it's, it's, um, very refreshing because there are a lot of people that don't look at things that way and, and do fall into that bitterness. And it's such an interesting counterpoint. Um, when one hears about buying a head and putting it on a shelf, I want, I'm curious at the origin of that song. I need to know. It sounds like such it, it developed out of an interesting conversation somewhere. I think. Well, I purchased a human skull, and I placed it on a shelf. No, um, <laughs> I, I'm here's. I don't really love to discuss the actual origins of lyrics because getting sappy here. Mm-hmm. I feel like the big magic in music is that you know. You know, in other words, if I talked to Paul McCartney and I was so fortunate to sit down with him and we were having lunch and he was to say, you know, uh, yesterday was really about a broken toaster. I'd be like, oh, <laughs> no, no, it can't be. You know, the, the magic of all these songs and the imprint they live on people is what they kind of pull from them. And I think that's one of the things about music that just has such power, like, you know, whether it's Tom Petty's Free Falling. You know, if you talk to 100 people, you're going to get 100 different reasons why that song is amazing or what they think it meant or how it scored the soundtrack to an event in their life. And um, that's what's so great about, I think. And truly the the mystical, magical part of the whole thing is just that regardless of what my intent is or why I'm writing the song, you know, someone else can pull that into their life and their series of events or situations and, and derive a meaning that is just as valid as the one I wrote it for. That makes sense. And, and admittedly, I'm always one of those ones who enjoys the, I, I guess, somewhat abstract lyrics where there's room for interpretation of figuring out what meaning it had for the person who wrote it, but also maybe what meaning it has for me. Yeah, I mean, I wish I could write like Bruce Springsteen, where, and, and he's just, she's so great at it in the sense that, like, there's just this. Like, you know, I went to the garage and I put, I picked up this certain size metric wrench and I placed it on this, you know, exact piece of equipment and the car did this and that. And there's such like a, like a literal narration of a story um, that, and, and, you know, the simplest thing, but it's done so well. Like, you're just like, that's just brilliant. I've never been able to do that. My brain is broken. And, uh, and there's a, there's always been a, I mean, I think probably because when I was a very young kid, I want to say five, six, seven, uh, I had a step-grandmother who decided to gift me the entire collection of Edgar Allan Poe's uh, works. Oh, wow. So as a six-year-old, that's both horrifyingly scarring <laughs> and, and sh- but, but really shaped my sense of, so I've always lived in this lyrical kind of Tim Burton 
world, Stephen King world, where I like to just counterbalance. I, I love sweet sounding melodies against a horrific lyric. I love a wonderfully sappy lyric against a horrific musical ambi you know, I, I just love doing that kind of thing. Um, and it's probably just for my lack of ability to actually tell you exactly or communicate in the way that some other writers are so good at, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I just don't, I just hope my brain doesn't work that way. It's not a bad way to work. You know, it, it's, it, it kind of meshes with things that go through my mind about how I interact with the world. And at times I'm, I'm that kind of person that insists on the very bitter food mixed with something very sweet. And I, I got, I got one piece of clothing that's dark. The other one's got to be light. And I live in this world of, of, for whatever reason, these, these diametrically opposed balances, uh, yin and yang, I guess you might say. And, and I guess there's a little bit of that there too. You, you described it well, as far as, um, human head is, as a sweet tune with a horrific lyric. And, and, you know, I, I like that juxtaposition. Yeah, I mean, it just, it works for me. It's, you know, it's not something that I, I openly think. Strangely enough, like when I write music, a lot of it comes to me in one giant chunk, including the lyrical content for the most part, not everything, but a lot of it. So when I'm initially writing the songs, like it's almost all, you know, it's, a, it, it's like I have a, you know, like a, um, the best way to describe it, I guess, would be if you saw Stranger Things when they were communicating with the other world and it was these broken transmissions, but you could kind of make out what was going on. Mm. That's the way I get songs. Like I hear the riffs, I can kind of make out the most part of the lyrics. And the biggest battle is just to get it all down and out before, uh, you know, before I lose that transmission connection. Um, and, and that's why, that's what makes me a horrible bandmate and a horrible collaborator because I feel like men, if I'm sitting in the room with another musician, I feel like I'm taking dictation from like, you know, from, from aliens and I have to get it down before they break off communication before the satellites rotate. And they feel like the person in the room feels like we are writing a song together. <laughs> so they're like, Hey, what if we do that? I'm like, shut up, <laughs> shut up before. No, I feel like Jody Foster in the contact, which You're is right. trying to dial him, you know, um, so, yeah, that explains a lot why I'm not the uh, most popular band member. <laughs> well, you know, uh, not everybody can be. And, you know, times when you're going off in those directions and you've got all these inspirations, it's it becomes difficult to mesh them with other people. And, yeah, if they're if they're working on one plane, you're working on the other. Yeah, sometimes it doesn't work out. And yet sometimes you never know it does because it seemed to work out really well in this album. But I realized that wasn't writing songs together as much as it was um, them lending a hand, I suppose. Yeah, I think I'm best left by myself, uh, both for the safety of the public and, uh, <laughs> and my own creativity. Now, I'm curious, too. Uh, clearly, um, you've got a great sense of humor. You're a person who, uh, from everything I've read and seen, does not take much of anything very seriously, including yourself. And uh, of all the ones you had guesting on there, I have, I think, the most exposure to Devin Townsend. You know, I've seen him live. I've seen a lot of uh, videos, stuff online featuring him. He is a clown. He is absolutely um, a showman and a goofball. What's it like when the two of you get together? He's been so wonderfully supportive. Um, 
and and uh, obviously inspir- I, I think he's just, you know he's one of the geniuses of our time, and I can't speak highly enough about him as a as a musician and all the creative stuff. But I, besides that stuff, I mean, he's just been so cool to me. Like as I started to shape things, or I'm starting to do, you know, things that he's already done touring wise, or you know, I'll, I'll call him up and say, you know, hey, you know, how did you, you know, what was your monitor rig like? Uh, how did you make that work? You know, and we'll set up a call and he'll walk me through all the bits and pieces and give me links to like everywhere he bought the different pieces. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, there's always been this. Um, I just feel look, and I think the older you get, the more you realize, like you know, life is too short to to not see the absurdity in all of it. Um, and and um, I'm just, I think like when you're 20 or 25 or whatever, and you're young, and you're such this really dark, aggressive band, and you're like, you're going to sit there and you're going to scream about, you know, the devil and sex, sex, sex. And, you know, as a kid, you're like, this is so evil and scary. And then you become an adult with like a mortgage and kids and life. And you're like, you know, that is not scary at all. (laughs) You know, what's really scary (laughs) is the realities of, of just existing as a human being. That's truly horrific. Um, so, you know, I think you just either have to laugh mm-hmm. and find the the the, the Python uh, theme to it all, right? Or or you or you pretend like you have it all together. Um, and there's a lot of people who try to function like that. Um, but yeah, for me, it, it there's I I just think it's hysterical uh, and watching all the different parts of humanity collapse uh, in one way or another, or the pressures get to be you know, right. it's just we're all you know we're all rocketing towards a. a towards an end at some point and uh i just want to have as much fun as i can before the before the final uh you know curtain call comes yeah echoing uh echoing always look on the good side and the bright side of life there a little bit <laughs> i i think that is really the secret to life yeah uh yeah i, I think you're right there i can't uh, disagree but i i can imagine you guys have a blast when you're together because uh, you strike me as both very fun individuals well, he, he's so smart, obviously, and yeah. I mean, his talent speaks for itself. And uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, you know, what what is not to like about the mighty Devin Townsend? I mean, I, I just couldn't sit here and think of like, you know, he's he's always doing the unexpected. Um, whether it's you know the Casualty of Cools record, which was just Casualty of Cool record, which was such a you know ambient, dark, almost Americana country haunted thing. Um, to all the, you know, to the new record, uh, Empath, and all, I mean, he's just, he's always, you know, he's pushing out in all ways at all times. Um, and I just find that so fascinating and interesting and admirable yeah. as a musician. He doesn't play it safe. He's like, you know what? I had a lot of success with this last record. So what I'm going to do now is throw it all away and I'm going to come back and I'll do something completely different. Um, but not, at the expense of quality, he's just always pushing forward. He, he's like the Magellan of, of modern composition. He's just never satisfied with sitting in one place. And man, if that's not the, the way to think about being a musician, I, I don't know what is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you guys seem to be cut from the same cloth in that sense too, because I, I think that's obviously one of those things you, you both share and, you know, it just makes me, look forward to what's next because clearly you're never going to know. Um, you might not even know pretty good chance. I think from what you said, you don't. 
I have no idea what's going to happen next. But that's but but again, like what you said is, I mean, to me, that's why I buy the ticket to the Devin Townsend show, or that's why I buy the new record. I mean, I don't want to know. I mean, I don't know. I don't. I don't see the thrill in going to a movie, and that's what makes it really weird about even like modern movies like that. Is like when you watch like these superhero movies, and some of them are great. I'm not, I'm not trying to slam modern movies, but it's like they've become so big and so formulaic that you kind of know. Okay, here comes the love interest. Okay, here comes the you know the oh the superhero is almost dead. Yeah. Oh wait, he's not dead. You know, and and there's so many so, so much predictability in that that I love seeing a movie or a TV show or something that, that where I'm like thrown. I love that. I love not knowing what's happening. Um, but look, I mean, there's a lot of people on the planet that like to go to McDonald's and get chicken McNuggets and fries because it's going to be the same no matter where you go and you know what you're getting. And there's a lot of people that live their life that way. Like to me, like you said earlier, mentioning food, you know, and I'm not saying I wouldn't enjoy a chicken nugget from time to time, but I I love going to Nobu and ordering the chef's choice and have no idea what he's going to hit me with. Wow. Like that's my favorite kind of meal was sitting with friends and having him just go absolutely, you know, mental in the kitchen and not knowing what I'm eating and not knowing what's coming next. I enjoy that. A lot of people don't. Yeah. I mean, and that's what makes uh, I guess life special. That is an interesting idea. I've never considered that. I think you may have inspired me to do so. <laughs> I may have to try that sometime. I didn't even know it was an option. <laughs> so, all right. So I highly suggest it. that? I said I highly suggest it. Uh, I take it under advisement. Absolutely. So that talking about not knowing what's coming next too. I, I guess that made me wonder because I, I, I can look back over your, your back catalog and see that um, as much as there've been a lot of people in the last 10, 20 years who have said, oh, down the road here, people are just going to release songs here and there. We're not going to release albums. And, and then they keep releasing albums, but you've been actually kind of doing that little EPs here and there, the outstretching stretching uh, being one of those things that right. uh, you've been engaged in. So it's like, you know, little bits and pieces here and there. So I'm left wondering too, is human head, uh, a preview of an upcoming album or is it just something kind of a one-off that you were inspired to write and put out as soon as you could? Well, I mean, what originally happened was after working with a ton of bands and having a label for a long time and doing all that kind of stuff, I realized I hated everybody and wanted to get back to writing, uh, just, as a pure exercise in my own, for my own benefit. Like I just wanted to write a song. Mm-hmm. So I set up a, this little kind of self challenge and I was like, okay, what I'm going to do is because I had been producing, I own a really nice studio, you know, Neve console, all that kind of stuff. But I found myself getting trapped in this. Let me spend three weeks getting the snare reverb, you know, right. Or in things that just were insane and not focusing as much on just the song. So I said, I'm going to write, record, mix and release a song the premise will be within 24 hours wow and i'm just going to put it up on Bandcamp, not promoting it not advertising it just just so it's out just so, so if there's you know whether it's 10 people or 50 whatever it is that they can dig it and i can move on to the next thing because i always feel like whenever something's not out it's not you know it's like it's like it's like leaving a kid it's like it's like a cage of eel Mm-hmm. you know or it's like a kid in a case like you need to let that let it go out into the world and do what it's going to do and then move on to the next one so over the course of a couple of years i've probably released 150 songs um awesome. just under that premise yeah um, 
And that led to me kind of doing this new record. And then I went, as I was starting to get ready to do the next record, um, I don't know, I, I feel like people digest music a little bit, sometimes better in smaller chunks, just because of the nature of how we live. Like, I don't know that, like, you know, I mean, when I was a kid, I remember coming home and hearing, like, whatever, the wall. And, like, putting my headphones on and spending, like, three or four hours with the headphones on, like, double timing, you know, letting the record play twice, three times. Mm-hmm. And I just don't think we live in a world that allows for that kind of thing anymore. Also, that's not to say that every band is making a record as great as the wall. I mean, I also think there's a lot of bands records that probably could make singles <laughs> or would be better off with, you know, three or four record songs rather than, you know, full records. But I mean, just, it's just the nature of how busy everything is and how scattered everything is and how, you know, how, you know, timeline and, you know, news feed everything is that I, I think people just don't have the time to sit and listen. And I don't know if that's a better or worse thing, but I just don't see many people listening to, you know, 12 songs at a time or 10 songs at a time. Yeah. So I, what I'll probably do record it is is I'll I'll probably release like a single every month coming up for the next three or four or five months. And then the plan is early next year to kind of do a to pull a full foo fighters where like you've heard four or five of the songs and then there'll be another six or seven songs and we'll put a full record together because people seem to really be into collecting the vinyl stuff of it and you know, CDs or whatever. For those people that want to have it like that, yeah. um we'll do that. Nice. That does sound very cool. It uh, gives us something to look forward to as well. As well there, I, I like the uh, Foo Fighters comparison, but I think you nailed it as well when you talk about, uh, at least in my life, yeah, sitting and listening to albums like I used to with the 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 record sleeve out or the the CD cover folded out and reading all the lyrics and and then reading the liner notes and and all that stuff and and listening to things multiple times. No, I I, <laughs> I don't see how I could ever do that again at this point. And it seems to me almost anymore that there's so much new stuff coming so quickly. It's all I can do to keep up getting through listening to it once or twice. And, and I'm excited by all the new music and I, and I really enjoy the opportunity to hear so many new things. And I'm a little sad that I don't get quite a deep dive into things the way I used to. Yeah. I mean, but I think it's all amazing. I mean, it was amazing the way we grew up and that we had, that much you know we had so few records that were so important and and now it's just different and i mean the cool thing now is like you know if my son is into you know he's a drummer and he's into he finds out you know oh neil Peart's amazing yeah he is he was brilliant yeah. and then he goes online and, and he googles you know neil Peart, and then he sees neil Peart talk about buddy rich and the next thing he's on spotify listening to the buddy rich catalog and it's like there's such an instantaneous ability as to where, like, when we were kids, you know, you would hear about whatever band or guitar player would mention, you know, Eddie Van Halen would mention Alan Holdsworth. And they'd be like, who? <sighs> well, how do I get, I'd have to get on the bike and go to the mall and ask, like, the one dude, you know, that looked like he worked at a head shop, you know, who's Alan Holdsworth? And he's like, oh, come back here. And behind the corner, there'd be this weird import of the Alan Holdsworth record. And then you'd have to save up 10 or 20 bucks or 30 bucks or whatever it was to find this one rarity. And then you'd listen to that. And it would take you months before you'd figure out, you know, anything. Like, or even as a Kiss fan, you know, it, it would, the, the one older kid in the neighborhood would know of a song 
and you hear one song and then you have to wait a month and then some magazine would come out with a picture of them and it would take like two years to become a fan of a band now it takes like 15 minutes and you know you know the guy i'm used as a peanut allergy or whatever it's like you, you know everything so quickly yes this is true i do enjoy that part of it at times too when i can fall into a bit of a rabbit hole and just follow links to links to links to links and finding new music and then then hoping i remember all of it by the time i'm done at my age yeah it's a crap it's kind of cool i mean i i mean i don't i I think some people get really kind of old and crotchety about it but i mean you know i i don't know i mean i'm very fortunate like when i was growing up and i discovered guitar and music and it meant so much to me and you know i sat in my room and played guitar ridiculous amounts of time but i don't know that if i had call of duty you know for you know in hd with like playing with people that i would have spent the same amount of time Mm -hmm. you know now as a you know i kind of worry and i actually have a couple friends that play in the nhl and they were saying the same thing i was like they lived on a, you know, in a small town in Canada or whatever. And they, all you could do was go into the basement to shoot pucks. That was it. Like it was that or eat. There was, there wasn't 85 different things. And now you have a million. I mean, I remember going to school, like, you know, there was like three or four shows that the entire country watched. You know, we had that commonality of experience. Yeah. Um, but I wonder if the attention span is going to have, you know, a lot more people doing a lot of things, but not as, specialized or not, you know, I don't know that people will, will do what Eddie Van Halen did again. Right. Um, and I don't, I don't know that's a bad thing. I, I don't mean that the, the future will be worse for it, but there's just a virtue to like, you know, Tiger Woods having nothing to do, but hit golf balls. Um, and, and we just don't live in a world where that is available to kids anymore. It's an interesting thought. And, and I think you're onto something there in the sense that we may never quite see that level of, specialization or obsessive uh, perfectionism in terms of skill building that we once did because yeah we've got all these other different things to do and that could I be mean, okay too Mozart, I mean, did, Mozart didn't have Pornhub yeah. you know what I mean so it's like you know <laughs> who knows what the world's compositions would be like if the world was different probably a little bit more of the in the middle of the uh, orchestra <laughs> He might have invented the Wawa like 200 years early, and who knows what that would have led to. Exactly. Yeah, there we go. That's a whole different, it's a whole episode of What If. (laughs) Exactly. I like that. So, all right. So, we've got some new stuff coming up. You've got, I guess, a mini tour going on. You're at least doing some shows in some select areas. Is there any thought? in your mind at this point in time that uh, depending on where things stand of, of putting together um, an extensive tour? Yeah. I mean, I want, I want to tour the new record at some point. Um, and it'll probably be, by the time that comes to fruition, it'll probably be two records. Um, uh, it, you know, so hopefully in, in 2022, we'll be able to, you know, do that. Um, Jeff Scott Soto, who's a brilliant singer, is a friend of mine forever. Like gave me my first professional gig mm-hmm. when I was 18. Um, so we go around and we do these kind of acoustic shows that we're, we were doing pre-pandemic, which were these super special, like wonderful kind of, uh, just the people were amazing. We just did a bunch of different songs from all different catalogs and stuff like that. And just really the truth of the matter is we were both aspiring stand-up comedians, but we're not that good. <laughs> so we figured we would, we would try comedy. And when something went to complete crap or the jokes didn't work, we'd be able to, 
quickly shift into one of the more popular songs and redeem ourselves. Um, <laughs> and so we, and, and of course, you know, we got super lucky and that started doing really, really well. And the show started selling out. Wow. And uh, these were kind of makeup shows. We're hoping we can pull everything off and everybody stays safe. And, you know, I mean, it's kind of a weird time, but, uh, you know, we're, we're, you know, I hate, I hate the fact that it's not completely back to normal yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, we're hoping everybody takes, you know, as many protocols and safety issues as they, you know, safety as seriously as they can. And we have a great night and hopefully for a few minutes, realize the importance of music and getting together uh, and hopefully in, in a safe environment as possible. Yeah, that's that's the tough part. I mean, just sitting here myself looking at at least minimum about a half dozen, if not more shows um, that are on sale now that I'd really like to go to. And I, I'm <laughs> I got burned last year. You know, I had tickets to see some things and they got canceled. Fortunately, the money got refunded and all that. But I, I sort of hesitate to feel confident about making plans um, and wondering what they'll turn out to be. And then at the same time, looking around going, all right, I don't know that I can see all of you and I got to make decisions and, and <laughs> feeling right. hesitation it's there. It's crazy because I mean, the entire world decided, you know, a few months back that everything was back to normal. So every band on earth booked every date possible. So all of a sudden everybody was touring at the same time. Yeah. And then obviously some of the things are falling through and, uh, falling by the wayside i mean I, I, we don't have a ton of books we just we you know we have like three weeks three weekends really mm-hmm. of uh, four weeks three or four weekends of shows and um you know they're all sold out which is both amazingly humbling and and at the same time horrifying yeah so i intend on spraying everybody with lysol as i enter the stage uh <laughs> as part of our, instead of instead of pyro we use disinfectant it's kind of the coolest thing yeah uh, and yeah i mean i, I hopefully you know i mean we're doing everything we can to make sure everyone stays safe and has a great night out. And I think at the same point, um, you, it, it, people have expressed to us the need to have a few minutes of laughing and some music. If we can provide that and we can do it in a safe place where, you know, uh, everyone can have a great night. I think it's a good thing. If we, you know, uh, hopefully that's, that's what we're trying to do. Yeah. And, and, and it's a welcome thing to be perfectly honest. Cause yeah, we're not honestly, let's be honest. We're not back to normal but it would be nice no. to be at least come close to it uh, as much as is reasonably possible and reasonably safe and, and get that semblance of that back because uh, you know, I, I think it's been, uh, I don't think it's a stretch to say it's been a bit of a traumatic year for a lot of folks for a lot of reasons. It's been, it's been unbelievably interesting uh, to live in these times yes. um, and, and, and see this and see, you know, it's not even so much the pandemic that's, blown my mind because of course with my strange mentality i used to read these books you know, going back 20 years ago by a guy named richard preston it was on all these infectious diseases and the coming plague and all these different things so mm. this part didn't surprise me quite as much as the reaction of human beings has surprised me yeah um you know i thought the threat would be the virus and then science uh, hopefully and, and and would would at least help and, and, and find us a path out. Um, but it's not as clean cut as that. So that's been kind of a shocking, shocking thing to me. And, um, you know, I, uh, yeah, I hope, I hope for the best. I mean, it's, it, it's a brave new world we're living in and crazy times. Yeah. And, and all we can do is, uh, do what we can do to pull things together. Keep a, I think a positive, 
positive and, and mindful and grateful outlook, uh, recognizing what we've got going on and, uh, do what we can to enjoy our time together. And, uh, I think you, yeah, it's unfortunate that I, I'm so super good looking that people feel compelled to touch me live. Uh, <laughs> and that's going to be the biggest challenge we have is trying to keep that social distancing because I, my magnetism, uh, is just undeniable and it, it puts people in an awkward position. I gather. I can only understand it in terms of concept because it's not an experience I have myself. I think I have the opposite. Well, I mean, put me on stage in front you of you. I think it'll keep them away. <laughs> you, you can you can drink that haterade all you want. Uh, I'm saying when you come to that show, you'll see what happens. With Jeff and I are like the Thirsty and Hutch of uh, wayward hair metal dudes. <laughs> that goes along with the T-shirt. I think I saw uh, had on Twitter there. <laughs> Very nice. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. the '70s throwback. Hey. <laughs> yep 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 excellent well i got one final question for you here i think before we wrap up and i guess it's it's more of a curiosity if, if you were to take a, a young person under your wing for a moment and point them in in the direction of music you think would inspire them what three things would you point them towards that is a brilliant question but i think it's weird because i think the it, it's like a harry potter question because mm -hmm. the the wizard does not choose the wand the wand chooses the wizard uh -huh. and music is very much like that i i think you know i i my advice would be to expose yourself to as much music as possible and something will grab a hold of you uh and and that's what you'll know I mean, you'll you'll you'll, you'll you, when you when it's right and when it moves you and it and it and it, it it does that special thing that I don't even know that I have the words to describe. That's what's right for you. Um, it, it, it's impossible for me to say, oh, if you listen to Jane's Addiction and the Beatles and Tom Waits, it's all going to be good. Um, they may despise that stuff. It may be, you know, it may be something completely different um, for them. It may it may be, you know, Mogwai and maybe you know something whatever you know apex twin could be the thing that moves them the important thing is to make sure you know to give yourself the opportunity to be moved by it and don't don't be shut off into any genre if you're in the hardcore rap that's awesome listen to pop listen to listen to you know listen to all different kinds of stuff maybe it works for you maybe it doesn't but just don't shut yourself off is, is would be my advice well answered sir i like that it's it's a question i kind of threw out there just to be a little bit of a jerk, really. <laughs> but at the no, same it was time. A, it was a, actually, I was, it was, it, it, it's like, it's like funny because people always ask, you know, oh, who's the best guitar player? I mean, my answer, the one you like yeah. is the best guitar. There, there is no best. There is, there, you know, yeah, the, I mean, the Beatles are super impactful to me. I, I hope you'd like them, but that doesn't mean that that's you're going to be, doesn't mean that's going to be your entry to music. It could be big band. It could be swing. It could be whatever, you know, it could be 50s throwback. It could be Elvis, you know, but, uh, I'm pretty convinced. I would not trust a person who hates music. I would trust a person that doesn't like certain things. Mm -hmm. That's totally normal. But I think if you expose somebody to like the world of music and all its different avenues, and they don't find anything they like, um, yeah, that, that that person is somebody you got to keep an eye on. Yeah, uh, you know what? It's funny you say that. That's something I've not encountered much, but I can literally tell you. Uh, there was a woman I dated briefly for a while and, you know, talked about, Hey, what do you, you know, what do you enjoy? What do you like to do? Do you like music? No, I don't like music. I'm sorry. Uh, what? You don't, you don't like music. 
All right. Well, it's been nice meeting you. Have a good night. I'm going to take care. Uh, Bye-bye. <laughs> it was one of those yeah, strangest it's, moments. It's, it's, it's such an alien concept to me like you know it looks like saying like you know I, no, i'm not really one for breathing <laughs> oh um, good, good. i mean i'm sure that people like that I mean, maybe the way their brain's wired it just it does something to them that you know causes trauma or whatever but uh yeah, yeah I, I can't imagine it, it's been so important it's been like the first thing that i understood and that other people around me did i didn't feel like everybody had the same deep relationship yeah that I did, like I felt like I could understand what was happening, and then I, as I started playing, I could I could make things happen, and it, that kind of connection for me has been like so important uh, in my life. Yeah. Uh, I, so it's very hard not to understand how it would be important in everybody's life, but I guess you know there's always there's always those weird apples. Yeah, law of percentages says there's somebody out there that uh, that is of that mindset, and I found one of them. <laughs> Lucky me. You, my, you, my friend, are not the one I want to play. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, well, I, uh, I, it's been a thrill talking to you. I, I had a feeling from the get go, um, especially at first seeing your your tweets out there that I'm going. Um, I think this is a guy I'm going to enjoy talking to. He strikes me as having just a wonderfully off kilter sense of humor, and 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 a. Uh, a person who has a deep, deep love of music. And, and so I, I was very much looking forward to this and I'm very glad and thrilled to have had the opportunity to talk to you tonight. I really appreciate your time coming on the show. I can't thank you enough for reaching out. I can't, you know, just to be a part of the show is amazing. And, you know, I, I the questions were awesome. I had a wonderful evening and uh, I hope, I hope it was, uh, it was entertaining for you and uh, let's do it again. Absolutely. Look forward to it. And hey, if you're ever set something up in the Philadelphia area, please hit me up. Let me know. Make sure I'm aware because I definitely would love to see you, see you and Jeff, whoever you're with. I don't give a shit. Whoever you're with, I'll come, I'm going to come out to see you. I, I, we're definitely going to do it. We're talking about it. Uh, you know, hopefully, like I said, next year, uh, we'll, once things stabilize slightly more, sure. uh, we intend on making a real thorough you know, trip around the the planet hopefully and gets a lot of places we haven't had the chance to yet so it shall be done excellent and that should give them enough time to get the vine street expressway out from underwater too exactly P- providing the world stays in somewhat stable form we will be there yeah i do assume a lot there <laughs> which i give a 50 50 shot so there's a 50 50 shot that we will eventually be in the same room together there we go i like the idea all right, sir. Well, thank you very much again, and you have a wonderful evening. Enjoy the rest of that wine. I'm going to be heading that direction myself once this shows up, so <laughs> as far as getting some wine. Good for you, and uh, thanks again for having me, man. You have a great night. You're welcome. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. And there you have it, folks. The one and only Jason Beeler. I believe I promised a fun and wide-ranging conversation. I do believe that delivered in spades. What a pleasant and fun conversation that was, and I'm so very glad to have the opportunity to do that. I want to thank again Jason Beeler for giving his time to Bleeding Edge so that we could talk with him about the music, talk with him about songs for the apocalypse, and get to know him a little bit better. I enjoyed it myself. I look forward to the day when he and I can maybe have a chat in the same room together. That will be an amazing thing, and hopefully things 
progress nicely to allow not just him to travel and get out there and do shows, but everybody. But I especially look forward to him hitting the Philadelphia area. It can only be an enjoyable show, I have no doubt. Good times ahead. So thank you again for joining me for another Bleeding Edge interviews. If you want to catch up with me on social media, I'm available on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all those fun things. And if you enjoyed this, don't forget to check out all my other interviews at the same place you found this one, wherever you find your podcasts. And of course, ToxicRadio.net and the Toxic Radio app, which is the same way you can find all the other podcasts available to you from the fine folks at Toxic Radio. And of course, tune in Saturdays, 5 p.m. Eastern for Bleeding Edge Live, where you get all the new, all the classic, and all the best progressive, alternative, metal, and rock. We love to push the boundaries. Remember, everybody take a moment every day to deviate from the norm. This is Super Dave signing off.